This episode of Broken Girl Unchained is brought to you by Central Valley Automotive, Takapa Media, and Steve Sasko. Yes, indeed. Very vintage. I love it. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Juliette, and you're listening and watching to Broken Girl Unchained podcast. And today, oi, oi, <laughs> <laughs> I am sitting. We're looking over Malibu at the lovely and talented, which I'm like so um, taken back by you. Mr. <laughs> Alice Mr. Martin. Just call me Mr. Everything. Mr. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Girth. <laughs> well, if you want to go there, <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> oh, my God. How are you, Juliet? Nice. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. no, we were just, we were chatting before the show. And yes, yes we, we, we kind of tangent off and we were having some fun. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're for all another over, show. We're all red in the face now. For sure. <laughs> and there's still some sweat. So, Alice, why don't you go ahead and um, introduce? Introduce yourself and um, what you do, and um, how did you become Alice Martin? My name is Alice Martin. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, how did I become Alice Martin? I never really liked my name when I was a kid. I grew up in upstate New York, and my parents named me Alice. I was named after my uncle, my Romanian uncle, Eliezer. So Alice is sort of the English version of that. And my dad's best friend was also Ellis. So I got the name, and everybody made fun of it when I was a kid. Alice and smell a Spartan. And so <laughs> 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 I mean, a little TMI, but uh, um, I, I learned it was a good name over time. And I, it is my name, but I prefer L amongst friends and family. Professionally, I'm Ellis Martin. And how did I become me? You just uh, you be yourself. And I became more of that. I learned it was okay to be me, as as you are uniquely you. Mm-hmm. And Mike is Mike. Huh? It's Mike. <laughs> sorry, man. You're, it's Mike. You're awesome. <laughs> you're awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're awesome guy. I'm just, um, and if you vary from that you-ness, that is you, that's where the problems really hit you hard. So I'm happier now because I'm truly me. And, you know, being the best version of you, I can honestly say that, you know, for me, I didn't hit the best version of me until probably two years ago where it was just like I knew who I was. I knew what my mission was and what my purpose, you know, is on this planet. And I think once you hit that point then it's just like you're at peace within yourself and once you know your purpose you radiate and depression tends to disappear not 100 percent, not at all no no, not at all but it tends to really dissipate and the more the more true you are to you the more you that you are the happier it's going to be and these these just 
aren't words. Mm-hmm. And like you, I would say about two years ago from that point on, and I'll be 65 next month, I really figured out what my purpose was, and that is to be, as they say, it's a word that's used a lot, authentic. Mm-hmm. Be yourself, whatever that is. Right. And more of it. And then the law of attraction works in your favor as opposed to working toward your detriment because you will attract anything positive or negative that you obsess about. And I'd rather obsess about having a great time all the time. Mm-hmm. So you are, I mean, what I like to call a financial guru, guru right? You so can call me that. But in actuality, in full disclosure, I'm a journalist, Okay. often a paid journalist. I've been radio my entire life. I did not study economics or finance in college. I didn't finish college. Uh, I'm an actor and an entertainer who found a great way to make a living. You have entertained me and Mike. <laughs> and that I was going to say Mikael. Right? <laughs> and that guy over there. <laughs> I was a su- successful actor in a small town in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's not small. There's 600,000 people there, maybe more. And I'd really peaked as an entertainer and as uh, as an actor. And I thought, well, it's time to move to Los Angeles. And I always wanted to live right where I live here in Malibu since I was a kid playing in the snow in New York. I just focused on that. But it took me my entire life to get here because the obstacles along the way were part of my life. And I wouldn't change anything that I did. But they really weren't necessary. You can, If you have a vision, a lot of young people do, mm-hmm. you can just execute it and never look back. And you're there. When you overthink it, when you when you get told you can't do it, or these the other fears. people that are not in vibe with you, mm-hmm. these roadblocks they happen and they really prolong the, the wonderful experience, the dream. Right. So you know, I I took a left turn in Albuquerque, as Bugs Bunny would say, and stayed there forever instead of going from directly from New York to California back when I was eighteen. However, I wouldn't change a thing about it. As a result, I have a beautiful family. I learned how to to really take in blue sky and the environment and, and a multitude of cultures in New Mexico instead of just going from New York to L.A., which most people do. Mm-hmm. But then I think I became a little soft in that process and and provincial and fearing actually coming to California. So that took a long time to get here. Now, let me ask you this. Were you, when you go through something like that, it, there's a lot of character building, right? So... <sighs> Tell me a little bit more about your background. How did you get to where you are now, if you don't mind? I mean, because that's what Broken Girl Unchained is all about. I would say that in my heart, I'm an artist. And we have a hard time integrating with this corporate world. And I'm not besmirching corporations. I'm not besmirching any of that. But it's really a nine-to-five lifestyle. It's how you behave. So essentially, you're from the beginning of school to throughout your entire life you're supposed to conform Mm -hmm. artists can't do that so we're automatically disenfranchised and then we become artists we realize that that kind of structure doesn't fit so it is soul breaking and so in a sense you've got an amazing soul but a broken soul in this world which makes no sense i think these are primitive times somehow i think i've stepped back into my past Mm -hmm. from a from a future incarnation and as an evolved being who doesn't know how to really relate to what's going on so i always had a problem adjusting as an introvert you you do that through entertainment 
and I know that you all get this at this table here because we're all sort of, we're entertaining now. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, this is entertainment. Even if it's factual and helpful and we're helping others, we're still entertaining people. Otherwise, if we weren't, nobody would listen. Right, right. And we know that. We know that we have to spice up our our introverted personalities to, to get through this world on our own terms. And so it's always about my terms and my way and and actually doing it with some sort of force structure. And we're learning that now during this environment that we're all in right now mm-hmm. that we're, we're able to become more authentic. We're able to find out who we are because we don't have these distractions everywhere. Right. It, we're really having to deal with us. Right. We're self-reflecting. And I always thought that I my problem was, which I don't think is a problem now, that I always thought I knew how to do my job better than anybody else, especially people I was working for. So I got fired a lot. so you can all relate to that right so we're all the same we're all the same that's why we're even here together in the same room and here we are because we're all simpatico and if you're not simpatico with anybody move the fuck away from these people as fast as you can family friends i don't care who it is if somebody's bringing you down and that means a family member get the fuck away and do it nicely don't be mean yeah be nice be respectful get the fuck away right (laughs) i yes i have to say that i've hit that point like if you're not enriching me if you're not empowering me and if you're not inspiring me then you're not healthy for me you have no value to me in my life that's something we've dealt with with you know, um, friends and, and people as, as the show has started to progress, there's been a lot of people who, um, they, they almost want to see it go down in flames. Mm -hmm. You know, if you listen to the naysayers and I have in the past briefly from time to time, but not, not overall, then you're really hurting yourself terribly. Well, there's something to be said about going out and pursuing your dreams and living your life on your terms. And, and not everybody's going to understand that. And especially a lot of people who are used to being boxed in or they're used to, well, wait, no, you get up, you, you go to work, you do this, you know, your life is you structured. You live in a box. That's why it's just like, it's okay to daydream. It's okay to. It's like, oh, wait, you're too old to, you're too old to, I've gotten to pursue your dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you, you know, saddled with this and this and a, a, a dead end fucking job that you can't hate stand going to <laughs> every day, you know? And I, I think it's, there's something to be said about. Um, people at any age looking to shoot their shot. Right. You know, why not? Right. Why not try? What's the worst that happens? But you have to thank those people for for their time, and then and then never see them again. Yeah. I'm serious. I'm not yeah. even joking. Yeah. Just don't <laughs> waste my time. Yeah. You're <laughs> and I've you're sinking me. Yeah, for sure. I know. I just did it today. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? I'm off. Why are you still here? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you, unfortunately, and I say this because it never feels good. Pursuing your dream sounds really magical, and and mm-hmm. you know you should definitely do it. But it's it's not easy for everyone and it wasn't easy for me because i stopped myself along the way and i overthought and i doubted myself yeah and i listened to naysayers and especially in the world i came out here as an actor as a union actor and i expected immediately like many people do to make it within six months which is insane (laughs) nobody was going to stop me because my ego in new mexico is huge (laughs) you know i was a i I was a big man in um in a in a small market so i thought yeah i'm gonna I'll just fall right into it. I'll be recognized as, as a gift, as a talent, and boom. And that did not happen. And I was too nervous when I came out here. Mm-hmm. I was not ready. 
You weren't ready. I was not ready at all, but I would have been ready if I was 18, 19, 20 years old because I hadn't built up a lifetime of fear, which is what most people do. Ah. You build up a lifetime of fear. Gotcha. That fear's gone right now. I'm kind of afraid of you a little bit, but that's I'm, a good I'm, thing. I'm kind of afraid. <laughs> 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 I'm like, maybe I'm not ready. <laughs> no, well, th- no, that's always the thing, that, and you'll never be ready. Yeah. You just have to. You might not be ready, but get in there and, and, and get those hard hits. So my success, and I, I'm repeating things that many people have said especially actors especially musicians is i had to fail miserably a few times oh yeah you know i i wouldn't want to do it again but i wouldn't change anything i've done well it, it defines you in a way you know it it's definitely character building i and mike and i we've we've talked about it you know just the whole you know um the fear of not being able to make it or you know what his perception of making it may not be my perception of making it you know what I mean so it's just like you have to definitely go with your instinct and go with your heart I mean if it's something you want to do is that correct I mean that's what I'm doing <laughs> no I think I think you're right I also think that being being happy and defining your happiness is subjective mm-hmm. and it's not always unbiased and maybe it's programming I found out that that Succeeding and being happy is just exactly that. You succeeded if you've become happy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter what you do. Right, right. And currently I'm happy. I have my family here who I found 12 years ago. And, you know, I've been, I was, I'm 65. I was homeless 12 years ago wow. as well. Uh, and so I've, I've crashed and burned. I've been to Phoenix a few times. More than I want to. Okay. And, you know, there's some PSD that, that does come back. Oh, for sure. Every, PTSD, I should say, does come back every now and then, but I have to ignore it. You know, the thing is, depression, I know you've talked about Mm -hmm. this on your podcast, depression doesn't ever go away if it's in you. It doesn't go away. It's not your friend, Mm -hmm. and it's like something you you absolutely can't completely get rid of, but you Mm -hmm. recognize it, and uh, either take a nap or a long walk. The long walk is better. Right, right. Better for you, or you you reach out and you give to somebody. and by giving, I mean, you just call a friend, say, hey, I really miss you and mm-hmm. uh, love to see what's going on in your life. You know, I care about you. Things like that really help you. Yes. So the giving is more important. Yeah, checking in on someone. Absolutely. I definitely And agree. another thing I'd like to address, a lot of people are hurting financially right now. Mm-hmm. And I do this on my own show, my financial show. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't, am I an expert? I know a lot about the subject matter of my guest and, mm-hmm. and the sectors I work in that, but I'm not going to give you any financial advice, nor will I do anyone else. I, yeah. know, I don't mind if other people do it, they have to disclose. So in that respect, my, my advice, I digress for a minute. My advice is give to people, you know, instead of these organizations that are always asking for money all the time to do their good in the world. They have, they are being funded. They don't need your money. Mm-hmm. Your people need your money right now. It's the people that are not asking you for help, that you know need help. Reach out so you can help them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. Charity really does begin at home, begins in your circle, and, and out from that point. You decide who you're going to be generous to. And be generous if you can. <laughs> Three times in my life I've been homeless. The last time, mm-hmm. when I was 53 years old. There are many charities set up to help individuals. They don't need you. What you should do is look into your circle, inner circle, and even peripheral circle. Look for those individuals that will never ask you for money that are hurting right now and help them. Mm-hmm. And do what you can with actual money. Right. 
and food mm-hmm. if you want. And you know who these people are, and that's your giving, and that is charity. Right. It does absolutely start at home with people that you know. Mm-hmm. If you want to give away things, that that's fine. Do that to strangers. Absolutely get rid of all those things you're never going to wear anymore mm-hmm. that nobody has that they need. You know, I've got 50 pairs of shoes in the house. Well, I'm only wearing two or three now. And that comes from being poor. Yeah. That You know, when you're poor. I am still on Amazon buying like 50 pairs of socks because I know what it's like not to have socks or not to have toilet paper. You want to know how I became poor and then the story from that point on, right? I've been in the business of basically selling advertising. So when I do have a financial program, it's heard all over the world through a newswire. It's heard in Florida, all over South Florida, on the radio every day. Although I haven't been to Florida in 2008, that's technology. Since 2008, that's technology for you. We can get into that later. So I was doing extremely well, and the crash of 2008 happened. Mm -hmm. It began on January 17th, Martin Luther King's birthday in 2008, and I felt it. I was at a financial conference. The room went south because the market crashed that day. And what I didn't do was shut my doors and just keep my bank account safe and stay in St. Martin where I was on vacation for two years and just spent the money. Instead of, I had a burn rate, which was huge. It was like thirty, forty $40,000 a month. And I honored all of my agreements and contracts because I like to think I'm a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have mattered if I didn't because everybody in my world, of I help public companies get exposure to an audience of investors. So nobody was doing any business at all. Everything was completely shut down, but only in my world, not in your world, not in anybody's world here, unless they're related to the financial market. So I was one of the few people in my world without without work. It wasn't like everybody. Now every, it's affecting everybody, but back then it was just me. And I felt like a complete failure at the age of 53, which, you know, my father passed away at 52. He didn't have, he wasn't working at the time. He was laid off. And that really hurts most people our age, and we're not healthy enough to necessarily take it. I was, thank God. So after a year and a half, I just ran out of money. So actually, instead of instead of just taking a long vacation in 2008 when the recession hit, it was May of 2009 where I became homeless. Now, I never lived on the street. I want to be clear about that. I had a truck I had paid for, cash. It's, I still own it. It's a 2006 uh, Toyota Tacoma. It's outside. looks practically new. You know, and, and, you know, sentimental. I had bought a mattress for it, and I considered, it's got a camper shell. I considered living at campgrounds all over the country. And I also do photography and doing interviews with people like me. But, I, you know, that was a nice romantic thought in my head. I just never did it. And I moved around several couches in Los Angeles for about a year and a half, which at first I went through, uh, I would say, and I have a friend who's a psychologist who's occasionally on my show, Dr. Cheryl Pappas. Uh, I, I said it was a nerf, nervous breakdown. I didn't go to a hospital, I, but, you know, it counts. If I can't move, if, if, I'm, if I'm weeping on the floor all right. curled up, and I'm a 54-year-old man with nothing, mm-hmm. with, except for the truck, thank God, and my photography gear, you know, with nothing, where am I going to go? Where am I going to stay? Where Am I going to call it quits on New Mexico and live with my elderly mother or my sister who maybe, you know, God bless her, I love her, but the house isn't how, it's, you know, it's not some place I want to stay. And I, I don't want to be in that space and that environment. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty OCD and, and I need certain things just the right way, yeah. <laughs> which is really hard if you're homeless, right? Yeah, it it's is. just like totally mm-hmm. like, what do you do? So you've got to throw all that away. 
yeah. you've got to throw away and the fact that I was a nice person and not an asshole I had friends here in LA who offered because I wasn't going to ask mm-hmm. who offered you know you can come stay here for a while which mm-hmm. the first person was a month and then I stayed three months on another couch and then I finally stayed with somebody for a year and a half on a futon and a spare bedroom these were women they weren't men that invited me into the house they really? these were women that I knew and I knew very well and they took care of me period yeah. and so ultimately I became happy because I had no responsibilities no bills but the place on my truck had expired for six months but so what I had no responsibilities I just was in a position to accept love accept food it was safe and then I could plot my, my next move, which, by the way, I didn't do. There was no next move for a year and a half, but one of, the, one of my friends and cohorts, uh, uh, one of the peers in my business, his name is David Morgan. He's a silver and gold expert. I don't mind naming him. I give him credit for my recovery, as, as well as these women, who I won't name, <laughs> just for their own, you know, I right. won't do that. Yeah. But, I, right. but So um, David asked me if he could... Uh, you know, how do he asked me if I could get him back on the radio? Like, how do I contact radio stations? Ellis, I want my show to be heard. He does a podcast now, but he, back then it was radio. This was 2009. I said, Listen, David, run you about $1,000 a month, but I'll get you on the air and you can say and do whatever you want. He said, Fine. So after all this time, I had a little, I had, you know, $1,000 is like 10 grand now. It was like, or it could be 100, it was like a lot of money. And this is, after I'd seen and burned through hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in, in previous incarnations of the same job, mm-hmm. completely humiliating. And one thing I also want to interject and stop me any time is if you ever share your grief or hardship with somebody who's not a partner or somebody who's not extremely close with you, don't do it. No one wants to hear it. Nobody cares, and it's scary, and they will not work with you, and it's bad business if you ever want to recover again. Do not share your yeah. what's all that you're going through with everybody in the world. Oh man, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you, I do not, all the time. Well, that's, but that's fine. But look at look at you today. Yeah, and maybe it's part of your job. But if you're just gonna, I was calling former clients. Can't you help me? Can't you bring me some business? I'm suffering. I'm I'm dying here. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Never say those words. And he told me that. He told me that. He said, listen, Ellis, this is not a side of you I'm used to hearing, and, and don't, don't share it with anyone else. I can't help you. I won't help you, and keep it to yourself in this, in this world of business. And I did, and I'm grateful for that advice because mm-hmm. yeah, it, it really helped me. Yeah, for sure. It, it really helped me. There's nothing negative about that advice, mm-hmm. and they will never pay you again if you share that with them. You'll never get their business again. I learned that very quickly, so... Unless anyone's listening to this podcast or a podcast I did recently with, uh, again, uh, Cheryl Pappas, they don't know. So most of the people that are my clients and my sponsors and my friends don't know what I'm telling you right now. And it's okay. I'm okay with it now because I'm, you know, I'm successful again. Right. And I've taken precautions, hopefully. There's never, there's never a perfect world of precautions. So I think it's a story that I can share with people that, that don't know me that are finding that are overburdened by depression and grief and lack of self-worth right now and they've lost their jobs and 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 they don't they don't know what to do right and i can't offer one solution for any of those people for any of you listening right now i can't tell you what to do except for accept love accept gifts where they're offered and be nice 
You know, it was something that I love about you is that, uh, and you and I, we share, well, I have a similar story and, um, I was homeless and, um, I was before that I was, um, taking care of my family and, um, my ex-husband was on workman's comp and I was supporting all of them by, um, massage therapy and I owned my own day spa and, and then I went homeless by choosing to leave him and I left him with my kids and I was just like I'm 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 tired of being disrespected in front of my children I knew that he wouldn't hurt my kids but it was just sick of it so I lived in my shop and I would go to the gym just to take a shower and stuff like that but what I love about you is that you are humble and you're you're just like yes I've been where you have been I've I've been there too I you're, you're not alone you know so. so so i'll go back i'll go back thank you by the way for for sharing that with me i really appreciate it and i really enjoy three the three of you here today at my home and that we can have this talk and we're comfortable mm-hmm. it's comfortable and i created a space here where i can deal with the world some people call it a bubble but i want to get back to your story about the gardener i have uh that i, I mentioned to you and you want to share with the audience so i'm 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 friendly with the people that that take care of me the service providers here the spa guy <laughs> the gardener this <laughs> sounds very entitled but which is a defense for me to say that word by the way i'm judging myself by <laughs> right, okay. right. but back to the gardener the gardener's outside and and we're chatting and i'm asking him how he's doing while i'm standing in front of my bentley and he says oh man it's hard and and uh i just wish i could retire i wish i had more money and and i I looked at him and i said how old are you he said i'm 54 and i said when i was 54 11 years ago i was homeless and i just stopped talking you lay you lay somebody you lay something like that out there i knew what i was doing i was setting him up for for all this right here and he just looked at me and I said, I had nothing except for that truck right over there. And I pointed at the truck, which is parked next to a Lexus SUV, uh, a classic Mustang, and a Bentley. <laughs> I'm OCD with cars. but And I said, I had nothing. And he said, and I, 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 I put all that aside, and I made my way back. And he said, yeah, but my wife, uh, my ex-wife, she, you know, I had to pay less alimony. I lost a $600,000 home. I became broke. And I said, and if you keep repeating that story to yourself, you're never going to recover. And it's how many years later? It's the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, the two, you said the 2008 recession. And, and a lot of people never recovered from that emotionally. Yeah. And I said, listen. And I asked him about, I asked him about, I gave him some possible, being entrepreneurial, I gave him some possible ideas. You know, it seems like you, you're working here in Malibu. This is a wealthy area. You could you could increase your crew. You could expand your business. You can do other things if you want to. And and he said, but 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 and I said, we've got to remove that. Yeah. It's not like we're best friends. First of all, your best friends and your family can never give you advice. You can never take it from them. It just doesn't work. Right. And I've always had a lot more success giving unsolicited advice on the radio to strangers, mm-hmm. which I know you're doing, mm-hmm. and you're doing a beautiful job of it, the two of you. 
and and it's really important that you continue to do that because we're people are more apt to listen to a, a friendly radio podcast voice than they are family because there's always jealousy and emotion involved and and you just can't go down that road right and that baggage you need to remove yourself from mm-hmm. or you will not succeed you will never come back mm-hmm. to success or and for me success is happiness i'm eating i have a roof over my head yes. it's relatively quiet and the, and and my children and grandchildren are are happy right you know that's all that matters to me it, mm-hmm. you know I, I can't control their happiness but I, when they come to see me i can provide an environment which is free as much as possible of of worry that's exactly oh my gosh because uh, almost verbatim um my word word for word to what Mike and I talk about, you know, money does have value to me, but I don't, it doesn't define me. It doesn't make me happy. And for some people, it does make them happy. It does define them. But when we have been like, I've been to the point where I've been warm, I was warming up water on the barbecue pit just to give my children a bath, you know? So it's like when, when, you've seen when you've hit that rock bottom and you're you just feel comfortable with the roof over your head you feel blessed you know with the basic things you know it's like those big things are just it's just stuff you know it has no value it is just stuff and i do have stuff here and you know i'll I'll admit it but i have the right to it i'm 65 Mm -hmm. i earned it i've been without stuff and i got by fine without stuff i was fine just having a few things Mm -hmm. i was fine with it my remnants of furniture or whatever being in storage i was fine i didn't need anything and i have a friend in canada his name is like mike labaki he's a friend and a, a client of mine and he told me a story about people in cuba where you know they've literally got nothing there but they're living on the beach they've got food and they're happy everywhere Mm-hmm. This is what he told me. And it helped me. I remember that because he told me that before I became homeless. And he didn't know I was homeless. I just told him like a month ago. Wow. And I've known him for years. A lot yeah. of people knew me and know me from before that time. So whenever I tell this story, they're they're just shocked because yeah. they had no idea. And you don't share it. Yeah. You know, my grandfather, my Romanian grandfather came to me in a dream once. I, well, th- that exists in my life, you know, that sort of, I don't call it woo-woo metaphysical mumbo-jumbo. Mm-hmm. I just call it like some kind of science that we don't completely understand. Right. He came to me in a, in a dream years ago, dressed up in a suit. He always wore a suit in the country. And he said, never share everything with everyone. Just don't do it. It's super important. Yeah. And this is a game. This is this whole, this whole life, this experience, this virtual reality mm-hmm. is a bit of a charade. Be honest. Be humble in that. But you got to play with it because it plays you. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. You know? Mm-hmm. Got to play with it. Because you know what? A lot of stuff that you're you're saying, I've thought about, but I've never actually said it out loud. You know? So it's like I don't know. It's kind of it's blowing my mind right now. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad I, w- I want to bring this up. I didn't know if you were going to, but I think it's important. I want to talk about I want to talk about suicide. Yes. Suicide prevention. I feel I have yes. to. Yes. Yeah, I'm a suicide survivor. Um, in 2011, I tried hanging myself. It's, it wasn't, it's not a story that I'm proud of, but it's something that I had to come out with because I knew it was being told to people without me being there. And it's, it's a story that 
I need to share. It's not for everyone else to share. So I decided to come out with my story and um, I was published in Healers Magazine. And um, and then a, another article was published and then Broken Girl was born. You know, so it, you, the more people that I started reaching and the more I started connecting and I started saving lives and that's all that I wanted to do, you know, and enriching people with my story and just kind of go from there. So well, thank you for sharing that right now. I appreciate it. And it's a nasty thing and it's a thought that's in your head and it hits probably everybody at some point. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's when we decide to act on it that's where the problem is right that's where the huge problem is and and when i those thoughts come into my head and you know even in the best of times you get a morning you wake up you're in a mood you and i'm in a, i'm in a mood almost every morning yeah you're uh, not a morning person <laughs> uh, no that's not it it's just when you i am a morning person but for some reason you know after the dr the dreams don't necessarily purge completely right and mm -hmm. you know that's sort of supposed to be this cleansing house mm -hmm. but often it leaves you with a bad taste and during these last five months of what's been going on in our world i'm sure people have had nightmares and dreams they've never had before so you wake up and that thoughts in your head or it hits you some point in the day you know i could just do this thing and boom it's don't have to worry about it anymore and i've got no issues right now but what got me through each of those instances as they they came up beginning when I was homeless mm -hmm. the third time mm -hmm. wasn't just once uh, was tomorrow you have the opportunity to have an amazing day and yes. you end that if you end yourself mm -hmm. and you can have that amazing day it absolutely can happen even if you only have two amazing days a month they could be so off the hook yeah. that you just never ha have that opportunity. And I have a family like you do, mm -hmm. and they will take that with them forever. Yeah. It, and it's, it will hurt them in such a way you are being selfish. Mm -hmm. I, I hate to use that it, word, it's, but it's, yeah, it's the, that's the, truth. the truth. It's the truth. You're, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, my kids have gone through it, and they, they talk about it, and it scares the shit out of me. You know, it's just something that, it's an easy fix to some people and it's it's such a temporary problem with a permanent solution and it's just like um it it becomes cowardly to me i, I mean and i was a coward you know i i admit it i own it you know i'm not uh, judging you and i wouldn't say that about you i was going through i found out i was pregnant with my last child um she's now eight um and like you, uh, I hit depression when the recession happened. And um, but it had to be hereditary too. My mm -hmm. grandmother committed suicide. Oh but, yeah, you know. So I mean, it's genetic. There's definitely some statistics on that. Yeah, definitely depression for sure. And I was uh, sexually abused mm -hmm. while I was growing up, and then I was um, sexually harassed at work. So all of those triggers. Uh, played into self-medicating so I started self-medicating with Klonopin and um, it w I was popping at least like 16 to 20 of them a day mm. you know uh, for three years and then I was drinking with it so and I was trying to be a mom and trying to find balance with no job and 
you know, my ex-husband or my husband then was living in San Jose. I was living in San Diego and he was traveling back and forth. It was just, it was a mess. So I decided in, you know, three years later to get off of the Klonopin and I was running six miles a day, six miles a day. I went from like, you know, zero to a hundred and like 36, like 60 seconds flat. Like it was just, I was, I was running, trying to get healthy, you know, and eating right. And then all of a sudden the verbal abuse and, you know, and then I, I was detoxing from the clonopin. So all the detoxing, you know, of course it's going to, you know, send your brain into that, into overdrive, you know? So I don't remember committing the act, but I remember waking up in the, um, on a 5150 hold. And I remember right before that happened, my ex-husband told me, why don't you just kill yourself and do everybody else, do us all a favor. I'll find a better mother for our children. And I was just like, and like just being so how feeling so helpless and feeling like shit already. And, you know, cause he should have been my, my supporter, you know, he should have been, I don't know. He, he was my husband. He should have protected me and he just, yeah. So I went, I don't know. I hit rock bottom from there. Clonopin is a benzo. Um, it's a lot like Xanax or volume, Valium, but it, it's like, it's like on steroids. <laughs> it's a Valium on steroids. I would like to say, I mean, like it is, I was a walking zombie. I Do you have any like, with you? Cause I'd like to smoke some. Right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a okay pill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'll, I'll ground it up. Sorry. Well, I think Juliet talks, she, she mentions a good point where it's, you know, you get to that point and you're so low and you're so distraught that that becomes that, that only option, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, it's, it's tough we when you're in that spot. I've been there myself and thank God that nothing, w- you know, it didn't go bang, but and you know, y- you know, like, uh, and you know, Mike, I, w- and I'm very open about this. Um, I've hit that point recently, you know, um, a few shows back where I talked about it, where, you know, the holidays came up, come around and I'm just like, Oh my God. It's just like this dark cloud. I don't have my family, like my mom, my sisters, my brothers, because my ex-husband sued him. And, you know, I, I kind of, that's kind of sealed my fate for me because now I have no support system. And when the holidays come around, I'm just, I feel like I have nobody. I have absolutely nobody. I think last Thanksgiving, I spent Thanksgiving by myself, you know, um, Christmas, the same with Christmas, you know, so it was just like, it was, I hit that really dark, uh, mental space. Well, you have all of us. You can certainly, you don't need to be alone on holidays anymore. You can come to LA and and hang out. Seriously. (laughs) I mean, you you know, I, I I know what that's like Uh and, and actually kind of brings a, a little bit of a tear. It's not gonna, you're not going to get the whole tear. Damn it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm actually relating and I, I'm, I'm, fe- I'm feeling empathy, but it's also from experience. And, and those are the things that take you down and put you in that mm-hmm. suicidal state, yeah. honestly. That's where you go. And even to not go all the way but think that you might want to kill yeah. yourself, you will, you'll bring it. 
you right. your car will cross the cross the lane while you're driving oh, God, and yeah. you'll bring yourself into a potential head on you will walk in front of something you you need to eradicate or deflect them in a taekwondo way those thoughts because whatever you think whatever you manifest good or bad it it will happen yeah for fuck's sake it will happen <laughs> <laughs> right. it is thought. it is really it's prayer prayer without even involving the god aspect yeah. of it is just how we're made yeah and 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 if we attach ourselves passionately to anything it will manifest yes so attach it for things that you really enjoy in your life yes that's what exactly what i've been telling mike like don't say that stuff out loud the universe the, it pays attention <laughs> it will happen and even like we had patty Negri on the show um and she's she says that i'm a manifester anything i think or i think it with my heart body and soul and it, you know everything starts to happen so i have to be careful with that it can be a you blessing don't. and it, it can be a curse um, it's a great thing. So use it that way. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned an action word like doing. And I know about meditation. I've done it. doesn't work for me unless it's active. I have to be involved in creating something, moving the body. And, and what I do is it, it totally goes into art. You see art around here. You see mm -hmm. these tables I've painted. You see musical instruments inside. I'm a really good photographer. I'm not humble about photography at all. <laughs> at all. And... Uh, uh, those things are my meditation. They're active things. Mm -hmm. Rather than me trying to be outlet. calm for 20 minutes and, and, and doing the um, it doesn't work yeah. for me. Any creative outlet is healthy, you know, and it's therapeutic in its own way, you know. Whether, for me, it's doing my promos or, you know, talking. Talking for me is everything. Like, like I can talk to anyone and I'll just pour my guts out. Like, I'm just like an open book. I mean, no, I just think that, I think we're all in... A place mentally where it's okay to actually share those things right now just because of the whole pandemic and you know uh, it, it, I think we're all going through something I mean it, you know relationships are being tested there's friendships there's you know marriages there's uh, you know all all these different dynamics are being tested and I feel like maybe it's okay to actually say it I'm not okay I don't think it's okay I I, I can't disagree with you but for me I would never say it to somebody I'm just meeting or somebody that's just oh yeah not someone you're just meeting or I would say it to most people but I would say it to a few people that I can count on if if they ask me i'm not gonna lie if i'm not okay and you're asking me if i'm okay or not i will not lie in fact i i will make up stories for my own entertainment but i will not <laughs> and 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 hopefully you won't mind either if you the wool's been pulled over your eyes <laughs> i did one recently i had everybody convinced that my father never faked his death uh 42 years ago and uh <laughs> so I, I brought another actor on right here oh my and, gosh and and i announced to my social media followers that my father didn't die i found him here in california <laughs> and it was and he was here and it was hilarious but i got so many emails and so many uh texts from all over the world that I had to answer those individually, but not publicly until today. Right. When the real story is that I actually found my daughter uh, 12 years ago when she was 28, and 13 years ago, and we are reconnecting still. That's the real story. So I, I wanted to, uh, I guess, get that out there, but not another podcast. That's for another no, time. No, I want to hear it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do we have time? <laughs> no, it's it's, it's a long story. It really is. Oh, yeah. It's for, it's for a follow-up. Part two. It's for a follow-up. It's for part two. Okay. Part 
Well, Ellis, thank you very much thank for you. being our guest thank you. and sharing your story with our audience. You know, I, I think a lot of people will benefit from from you know the things that you shared with us today absolutely thank you so much it was such an honor to be here and meet you and thank you for um getting so deep with us and enchaining yourself from you know your past maybe if you know if i if i can do anything for you it would give you some peace well you've contributed to my peace and you've given me an opportunity to share with others by example that there is a there's a way forward, and it exists every second of every day. So this is work, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking yeah. at Zuma Beach right now. <laughs> For sure. Oh, my gosh. It's so beautiful. Well, thank you uh, once again. And um, until next time, this is Broken Girl Unchained. Unchained in L.A.